Get Up Nation. I hope you're enjoying the Get Up Nation podcast on www.anchor.fm. As a podcast host on over 20 platforms, I really enjoy how easy it is to use Anchor, how Anchor makes everything I need available in one place for free, accessible on your smartphone or desktop computer. Go to www.anchor.fm now. In case you didn't know, Anchor has creation tools that allow you to record and edit each episode. If you're concerned about the distribution of your hard work, don't sweat it because Anchor takes care of that too. If you're considering becoming a podcaster, I would highly recommend Anchor as your choice to begin sharing your content with the world. Get Up Nation. My name is Ben Biddick. I am the creator and host of the Get Up Nation podcast, where I serve individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience and perseverance. I'm the co-author of Get Up, The Art of Perseverance, with former Major League Baseball player and CEO of Ruron Living, Adam Greenberg. The Get Up Nation podcast is brought to you in partnership with GotYour6Coffee.com, where Navy veteran Eric Hadley is committed to serving first responders, veterans, and their families through a variety of nonprofit organizations. No stranger to adversity, Eric has fused the necessity of coffee with his passion for public service. You're already purchasing coffee. Why not empower your coffee with purpose? Why not purchase coffee that not only has your six, but also has the backs of those who don a uniform of service for our communities and great country? Learn more about Eric and his freshly roasted award-winning coffee at gotyoursixcoffee.com. Welcome to this episode of the Get Up Nation podcast. Recently, I had the honor and privilege of speaking with internet pioneer Joel Kahn. Joel has been creating profitable websites, software, products, and training since 1995. He hosted and produced the world's first competitive internet reality show called The Next Internet Millionaire and created a number one best-selling iPhone app, which became one of the most talked about novelty iPhone apps of all time. Joel is also a New York Times best-selling author of 15 books, including The Fun Formula, How Curiosity risk-taking and serendipity can revolutionize how you work. In July 2017, Joel and MarTech leader Travis Wright began to explore blockchain technology and channeled their excitement into the creation of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Joel's show is heard in 180 countries around the world and is one of the top crypto-related shows with over 400,000 downloads per month. He's been on the front lines of live online video since 2008 and is the leading voice on live video marketing. Joel is always exploring new methods of leveraging his expertise in technology to educate, inspire, and entertain others. It is an honor to explore with Joel on Get Up Nation how we can develop and sustain resilience as our world innovates at unprecedented speeds, altering our lives daily. Joel, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Such a pleasure to speak with you today. As you know, here at Get Up Nation, we're focused on serving individuals, organizations, and societies to develop and sustain resilience. As you consult and speak, what are some of the most challenging realities you've encountered recently as people and organizations seek to navigate ever-evolving technology? Well, I think that's it right there. It's the ever-evolving technology, right? It's, it, technology rate seems to double every couple of years, right? Computers get faster, prices go down. We've got new ways of doing things that previously people could only do these jobs 
jobs are being replaced, new opportunities are being invented, and trying to keep up with it all. Right. The rate of it is super scary for a lot of people. But I think, you know, it's always been that way, right? It, because once upon a time, there were no automobiles. There's horse and buggy. And, you know, when the car came around, I'm sure people of that era freaked out, <laughs> lost their stuff because well, this is going to, you know, oh my gosh, what is a horse breeder? You know, people need these horses to pull these buggies and now uh, they don't need horses anymore. Hmm. We're just going to call it horsepower. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so there's nothing new here, but you know, the good news is that every time we've had these advances in technology, yes, some jobs are taken away because those jobs, become boring. You don't need a human being to do that job anymore if a machine or a robot can do it. But there's new opportunities that then open up. You know, who knew this whole sharing economy would become a thing and that you'd be able to use your own vehicle to drive people around from point A to point B and make money. Who knew that you would be able to rent out your home when you're not going to be there or buy a home and rent it out using this technology where there was so much great demand for people that wanted to customize their experience somewhere and not stay, you know, in a traditional hotel. And the list goes on of opportunities that have been created. And, you know, I tell people, just keep your eyes open. See what, what resonates with you, what excites you about where technology is heading, where our society is, and how can you bring the most value. And I think people who are focused on that perspective and not freaking out are far more likely to find something that is not only rewarding for them personally, but adds great value to the world. Right. And on your website, you talk about your motto as do good stuff. And there are so many ways as this technology evolves for us to do good stuff on our electronic device that we carry around with us all over the place. There are so many ways that you can access technology in some sort of way to help improve someone's life, to share kindness, to create community. There are so many ways that we can do that. So getting into the mindset of people who embrace this evolution and thrive with it, what kind of mindset do CEOs and industry leaders have to possess in order to maximize the positive impact of the technology they use to grow their business? Well, first of all, they need to not be afraid of it. Yeah. Right, They need to not feel threatened by the changes that are coming, but they need to be able to very soberly and honestly survey the landscape and, and become the futurist. You, know, you have to put on that futurist hat and ask yourself, okay, how is this change in particular in my industry, this thing that I know is coming, like a freight train coming down the track, how can I prepare? What impact is this going to have? Definitely. And what new opportunities can rise up? What are the needs going to be as a result of having these changes come our way? So I think not being scared of the change is a big deal. You know, you can always tell people that are afraid of change. They're very protective of the, the bubble that they have. They refuse to, you know, let it be popped, even though they have really have no choice in that happening. They stick with the status quo. It's like people that are resistant to the new ways of currency, you know, cryptocurrency and Bitcoin. It's often that they'll talk it down because they have a stake in it not succeeding, right? They have a stake in the old ways. You see this often in 
in governments, right? For example, blockchain-based voting, right? Well, you have to ask yourself, why do you not want to make sure our voting system is so secure? Well, it's likely that you have something to gain for it not being so, right. which you know leads to corruption and that type of thing. Well, the same, you know, politics happen in businesses too. What are you protecting? And, you know, watch out for those people in your business because that type of mindset can't be trusted. Those are, those are not people that want to be allies with you. You have to be a forward thinker. And, and I think another key part of the mindset is you have to be willing to take risks, right? Which means you have to be willing to fail. Right. And there's nothing wrong with failure. I mean, failure is our greatest teacher. Mm-hmm. And if it weren't for the failures in my career and in my life, I would not have grown right. as much as I have personally or professionally. I would be stuck probably making the same mistakes again and again. Right. I certainly am not a master when it comes to cryptocurrency, so I wanted to really ask you a question or two about that with your expertise in there. would love to learn more about how cryptocurrency and your perspective on how commerce is changing. What do people need to do to be resilient and responsible with their finances when it comes to evolving commerce and developing blockchain technologies? Well, I am not a financial advisor, so you know the reason our show is called The Bad Crypto Podcast is not because cryptocurrency is bad, we think it's good, it's because we're not experts. And when we started the show in summer of 2017, we wanted to just put it out there that, hey, we are not financial advisors, we are not experts, we're just completely fascinated by this technology and how we believe it's going to impact the world, and so we're just going to let you know right out front which is great because people can't criticize us then and say, oh, these guys suck. They don't know what they're talking about. Well, yeah, baked into the, the title, right? <laughs> we interview people who are knowledgeable, who can teach us something, who are pioneering new uses of crypto and blockchain technology and distributed decentralized ledger. And we're learning as we go. Turns out after two and a half years and eight million downloads later, we actually do know a thing or two, but I always hesitate to give any financial advice, but what I can say is I personally, being a futurist for 25 years now, a functional futurist, that I actually participate in things that other would say this is from the future, because I tend to get there first. I like to play with the toys before other people do, and then I discover cool things, and then I teach others what I've discovered from that. And having built my first website back in 1995, and being very early to the the World Wide Web game, I can tell you that the blockchain and cryptocurrency revolution, that technology feels to me a lot like it did when I got into the web almost 25 years ago. And so based on what I would call an educated guess, you know, doing my own research and seeing where the state of the world currencies are, how the fiat currencies of the world are collapsing, that they are inflationary and that the dollar buys less and less every year. Cryptocurrency and the decentralized ledger provides a solution that can fix these problems. Wow. I mean, your perspective is extremely unique because of you know, how you've described being a futurist. And 
I just wanted to ask, what's the best part of your day? You stand at the forefront of innovation. You see how people's lives are affected by the most cutting edge developments and applications. What do you enjoy the most about being in this position and seeing the world through the lens of your profound experience and expertise? I get to play. It really is that. You know, part of my bio is that I'm an eternal 12-year-old. I'm 55 years old, but I certainly don't feel it. And thankfully, people tell me I don't look it. But I'm still curious. I'm still playful. That's why, you know, I wrote The Fun Formula. Uh, This book is my 15th book, and it came from my soul, right? All the other books I've written, they're strategies, they're tactics, how to make money with Google, how to master Twitter for business, how to do internet marketing and sell. But this book really came from me reverse engineering my life and really being fed up with this hustle and grind mentality that is thrown at people, especially young people, as though if you work your butt off from morning to night and work the weekends and hustle, 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 that is what's going to lead to your success. And it's a lie. I have reverse engineered my successes. And what I discovered is that when I was doing that hustle and grind, because I thought that's what I was supposed to do, at best I had moderate success. Oftentimes it led to failure and it went beyond business failure. It led to failure with relationships, which I believe are way more important than how much money we make. And the times that I had the least amount of hustling, the least amount of effort, that's where I had the greatest success. And, you know, it's one thing if if it happens one time, you know, and you have a home run and great, you, you connected the bat with the ball and you hit it out of the park. If it happens two times using the same methodology, you start to go, oh, well, was that a fluke? But three, four, five, six, seven, eight times where there are these home runs and every time it came from least amount of effort and, and discovering what are the factors that made those things successful. And that's why I believe that the fun formula is about following your own natural curiosity, right? Who are you and what are you passionate about? What are you made to do? What value do you bring? Taking risks with that curiosity and then one of the things that's hardest for most of us to do is to trust the process, to trust timing on things to come together and happen. You know, we like to control and ultimately we have very little control. Every time I have done this in my career, it's where I found the greatest success in business and the greatest fulfillment in life. Amazing. Yeah, you said when people combine what they excel at with what they enjoy doing, great things happen. You've also said that when people are on the right path, they'll meet resistance, but they'll also find unexpected help and serendipity, that help and good fortune builds faith. It's hard to achieve success, but enjoy the journey. Feel gratitude for the opportunity. What do people need to understand about asserting themselves in this way in our ever-evolving world? Well, stop complaining, for one, right? We we are raising a generation, and this is very broad brush because this doesn't apply to everybody, obviously, but we're raising a generation of people that are feeling entitled, and when there's something that they don't like, instead of going and being the change and being an example, they just complain, they just protest, they just whine. It's a lack of maturity. There is so much opportunity out there today, more than ever before. Don't complain about your circumstances. 
change them, change how you approach them, do something different, put yourself out there and take a risk. And that risk could include that you might fail at that risk. But we have seen people overcome the most horrible of circumstances to then become a hero by fighting for what they believe in and accomplishing their goal and doing great things. So quit your belly aching, regardless of what hardships you face. And I know there's some pretty horrible things that have happened to people. There's some horrible circumstances, but you have one life. This is it. You get one chance at this. Are you going to complain about what you don't have? Are you going to say, you know what? I'm going to stand up and I'm going to take a step towards being that person I want to be and doing that thing I want to do. And I'm not going to let anybody tell me I can't. And I'm not going to let anybody get in the way. I'm going for it. And those are the people who are the world changers. Hmm. Those are the people that history writes about, that you know, filmmakers make documentaries about. They are the big thinkers that say, what if and why not? Excellent. Does that that answer the question? I'm not even sure what the question was, but that's where I went. (laughs) That works. That was excellent. Yeah. I wanted to touch on your unique insight into the value of free time and how essential that is. Will you talk about free time a little bit? Yeah, I love free time, and and I always have. Like I say, I'm just a a big kid, and I've always been a video gamer. In fact, it was my love for computer games that caused me to build my first website. And combining the strategies, the things I had learned in sales, you know, in in technology and building a site, it's what allowed me to have my first creation in 1995. It is that love for games that led to me partnering with a programmer who could code, because I can't code my way out of a paper bag, and together he built one of the web's first multiplayer game sites, and I marketed it, and we ended up selling it to Yahoo. Hmm. It became the foundation of what was then Yahoo Games, one of the top multiplayer gaming sites on the web for well over a decade before Yahoo screwed up everything and became virtually irrelevant. You know, it was being childlike and having fun that led me and my team when I had an iPhone developer back in 2008 to create the iFart app, (laughs) which, yep, I'm the guy who did that. (laughs) A silly novelty app. And that's what we did. We laughed our butts off as well. We thought, oh, yeah, let's do this. We built this thing, and it went to number one in the world and got all kinds of crazy coverage from The Daily Show and (laughs) and Bill Maher's show and The Today Show and Rolling Stone magazine, and the list goes on. And and it was just taking this risk and doing something that we thought was fun. And turns out, when you you really like the idea of something, chances are there's others that that will resonate with. Now, we never imagined it would be that explosive, if you'll pardon the pun, (laughs) but it made a bit of a stink. And (laughs) this is a pattern. I don't think these are flukes. I think that being playful like this and taking these chances, standing out, not being afraid to say, you know, this is the way it's always been done, but I look at things a little differently, and I'm going to throw this twist into it, you know, usually that's where people will, the naysayers will come out and say, well, it's not been done that way. You can't do that. That's foolish. Well, that should be an indicator to you that that's probably the thing you need to try. Hmm. A diet book doesn't hit the bestseller list because they've just said what everybody else is saying. 
No, they've said you need to throw coconuts into your diet, right? It's that one thing that makes the difference that they've seen results with that helps it propel it to gain a new audience because people are always looking for new solutions. So how can your ideas, your concepts, your creations be a different solution to a problem that people have? Hmm. I have a question for leaders of organizations. So how do you help organizations to develop a positive relationship with the technology they use? Change is often difficult for people to embrace, and there can be a lot of stress for employees who may not be as inclined to use technology at all or updated versions of it. Is there any insight you have into easing change processes for employees as new technology is rolled out? Well, you know, this might not go over well with (laughs) some people within an organization, but what I hear is fear, right? People are afraid to embrace new technology. So here's the thing that won't go over well. Use that fear with your team, but use it in a way that says, you might be afraid of this technology or the latest ways that this is being done, but here's what you should really fear. Not understanding it, not figuring out how it's relevant to us, not implementing it us, you know, in, in our stack, because that is where we're going to be left behind. So, you know, if fear is going to be a motivator, let the fear of, you know, taking away be the motivator, because if you're stuck where you are, guess what, Sears? You know, you've been replaced by Amazon. Guess what, Blockbuster? You've been replaced by Netflix. Guess what, Nokia? The iPhone, the smartphone has completely wrecked you. And the fear of being wrecked can actually be a good motivation. But I think once that motivating factor is there and people start to learn, Mm -hmm. right, there's education to teach them, to show people, you know what? This really isn't that scary. And, oh, you can understand this and you can implement this. And guess what? Now, instead of being afraid, you're empowered by this technology. And that's really what technology should do for us is it should empower us to do more, to do less of the things that we don't need to be spending time on so that we can focus on more of the things that we do need to be spending time on. Yeah, I love that. It's such a great example of a resilience concept to reframe that fear into an opportunity for empowerment when people take ownership over their personal sphere of influence and their personal responsibilities and saying, okay, I'm not comfortable with this and that is good and that is okay and that's only going to channel me into personal growth, professional excellence, accessing opportunities and new technologies that can connect me more than ever before, that expand my capabilities and options like I've never seen before. And then it gets to a point where people begin to thrive because they aren't living in fear. They refuse to live in fear. And then they gain a sense of mastery. They gain a sense of rapport and cohesion with their coworkers or with the technology. I think that's excellent. And it's so fun to talk with you and to have that insight into play and how these things are there to increase the quality of our lives, as you said, to get tasks done much more quickly so we can spend time with the people that we have relationships with, that these technologies are a true innovation that once we embrace that and refuse to live in fear, we can be empowered to achieve things that our world has never seen before. So I really appreciate your insight into this. And as we get into the final moments here of the show, I always end the show with six questions to help my listeners understand the why within my phenomenal guests. Are you willing to run through these six quick questions with me? (laughs) I am your willing victim. Go for it. (laughs) Okay. Who are you thankful for today? My family, my friends, my girlfriend, my children. I mean, look, 
life is not about accumulating stuff. Right. There's definitely a place for material goods, for money, and for things. But I don't believe people get to their deathbed and go, I wish I would have made more, or I wish I would have worked more hours. <laughs> I think we reflect on the people that are in our lives, the quality of those relationships, and the experiences right. that we've had in our lives. And I think when you prioritize that, right. everything else can fall in place. Excellent. And then now that we've covered who you're thankful for today, what are you thankful for today? I'm thankful for life. I mean, I, I get to wake up, right? Some people, they don't wake up in the morning. And I don't know, maybe when we die, it's better. But this is all we know right now. And the fact that I get to wake up in the morning, I stand up on, on two legs that work. For some reason, my brain is able to do these lightning fast calculations that allow words to proceed from my mouth. And sometimes occasionally on rare instances make sense and <laughs> allow me to engage and interact. You know, my eyes that are incredibly complex machines on their own that I can see things. Uh, you know, I just, there's so much opportunity out there. And life is a beautiful thing. I like to wear the Life is Good brand shirts quite a bit because life is good. Now, I'm not saying that there's places in the world that life isn't good, right? That's horrible. There are some people living in some horrible circumstances and that things that happen to us, even in a prosperous society can't be horrible because they can't. Life is hard. Sometimes it sucks. Sometimes there's no, you know, there's no guarantees. But I'll tell you what, if you woke up this morning and you're a free person, you know, living in, in a Western civilization, the world is your oyster. My next question, how do you fuel the fire within you? <laughs> you know, it's really funny. Some people plan day by day, you know, they plan out a whole schedule of what they're going to do for sometimes for years to come. And that's never worked for me. Every day is different. I wake up when I'm ready to get up and I do what I want to do. And I follow my nose, right? What's interesting to me right now, you know, there's times that I'll need to prepare a talk and I'm not inspired to prepare that talk. And sometimes I'll wait to the day before, two days before, and that's when the inspiration hits me. And so I try to stay in tune with where is my energy being funneled right now that it will serve the greatest purpose towards the goals that I want to accomplish. And sometimes that means just unplugging and, you know, Netflixing and chill or, or playing, you know, a computer game and not doing anything and allowing the process to take place. So I find that the, the fuel, the inspiration comes very organically and naturally to me and often just hits me out of the blue. Hmm. And I'm honored that today that I am part of your day today and that based on internet technology, I can have this show. I can learn from brilliant people like yourself and learn and grow from that. So I'm honored to the universe itself or whatever creates everything that's happening here to have this moment to share your insights with my audience. I have a couple more questions. What is one thing adversity taught you to value? Failure. Hmm. Failure itself, I think. When you learn from failure, you grow way more than when you learn from success. Mm. And so, you know, adversity means that I'm either going to discover how to push through this barrier, this obstacle that's in my way, or I'm going to be wise enough to realize that 
maybe this opportunity, this adversity, this, this obstacle to my face is telling me something and maybe I need to look at all the other opportunity. Some people get so focused on one thing and maybe, just maybe, it's not the right thing or the whole story. And it could be that if their peripheral vision was opened up more, they might see other opportunity around them that they wouldn't have otherwise perceived. Absolutely. What are you doing today that you may have never thought you could? <laughs> I don't know that I... I ever thought that there was something I couldn't do that I'm doing today. I, I'm surprised by how my life has turned out in many respects because I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I was, you know, when I was a young man, even when I went to college, I kind of fell into radio and discovered, oh, I like radio and I like broadcasting, but I never saw myself being a public speaker or, you know, an authority figure that people would want to interview for shows because of what I accomplished. And so it, to me, every day is just another surprise. And, and what's cool about that is I don't know what's next, mm. right? I mean, it, it, my life has revealed by approaching it with this fun formula attitude. So far, this is what's happened. I like to think that we're always building towards something else. So what thing have I done that is part of a stack that's going to lead to something else that I couldn't have seen? What relationship have I forged or connection have I made that's going to come back around in a year or five or ten right. that's going to open the door to something else that fascinates me and, and that brings me to a, a different sphere? That excites me. And I don't remember the question, but that's my answer. <laughs> and that kind of answered my last question as well of what will you do tomorrow that you may have never thought you could? And the answer is clearly that you don't put limitations on yourself and you're at peace with the mystery of things as they unfold, showing just tremendous resilience and tremendous spirit and a tremendous mind. Can I close with a story? Because yeah, absolutely. something you just said just triggered something sure. that I wrote about in the book, but I, I want to be vulnerable and transparent with everybody because life is not all you know daisies and unicorns and rainbows right there are challenges to life and, and no matter how much success you've had we're all still humans and we all still have our doubts and worries and fears and struggles and so I never like to put myself out there as though I've got it all figured out because I do not and in the story I want to tell is it happened while I was writing the book, The Fun Formula. You know, here I am, I've got my biggest book deal from the biggest publisher I've ever worked with yet, and I'm teaching people about how I've come about these successes through curiosity, through risk-taking, and through trusting the process. And in the midst of this, I'm questioning my future, my career, because there wasn't a thing that I was doing in particular other than documenting my past successes. And to me, one of the most tragic things that can happen is that we coast on our past because it means we've ceased to create. We've, we've ceased bringing new value to the world. And as I'm writing the book, I'm questioning what I'm teaching about trusting the process, and I'm trying to figure out what do I need to do, which is contrary to what I was teaching. And the question I asked myself while I'm in this place was pretty dark. And here it is, and I know I'm not alone in asking this question. What if 
my greatest work is behind me. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that is a hard one. Mm-hmm. And here I am struggling. I'm turning in the manuscript. And I said to myself, self, you have to do what you are teaching. And you have to trust the process and wait. And you'll know when it arises. Well, the drafts have been turned in. I was waiting for the editor to return it to me for a final update. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, you're kind of a phony right now because this is the place you're in. And interestingly enough, it was in early 2017 when this book was in its final draft that I went down the cryptocurrency and blockchain rabbit hole. And all of a sudden, this world opened up before me. Now, I wasn't thinking I need to find something Mm -hmm. to investigate so that I can master it. I just naturally, organically became fascinated with it. And then I began having conversations with my friend Travis Wright, who is a marketing technologist and a hell of a great guy. And every day, our conversations would turn towards Bitcoin and mining and Ethereum and altcoins and cryptocurrency and the future of digital payment. And in July of 2017, he says to me on Facebook Messenger, when are we going to start the Joel and TW crypto show with a winky face, half being sarcastic because we were having so many conversations. The moment he said that, I knew. I, I immediately said, I'm calling you right now. I called him and two days later we launched the Bad Crypto Podcast because this passion was just being funneled into this opportunity to do something cool. Now, if you would have told me that we would become one of the top shows in the crypto world and a known quantity of blockchain events wherever we go, and that I would have discovered this new passion, I would have been like, what are you even talking about? But this happened while I was writing the book and it happened in time for me to put this story Mm. into the book. And I wanted to end with it because I wanted to inspire people that no matter where you are, if you you follow those passions and your curiosity, be creative, take risks, but allow things to happen in their time. Don't put the cart before the horse because you end up with hoof prints up and down your, your back and it's not good. I believe that there's just a way of things working out. Amazing. The end. <laughs> That's excellent. What a great way to end the show. Joel, how can people learn more about you and your amazing work? You know, all my books are available on Amazon. Just look for Joel Com or go to my website at joelcom.com. And my last name is spelled C-O-M-M. And yes, it is my real name. 